This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I have a chat with the great Bruce Kulik to share with you. This chat was recorded back in May or June of 2017 and has been available via the Scars and Guitars podcast apps. Ever since then, this is the first time I'm repurposing the chat for the YouTube audience because so many more people tune in via YouTube, let's face it. Now, throughout this chat here, I should say the catalyst for the conversation was the Thunder Down Under 2017 tour. Bruce does have a considerable fan base in Australia, being a member of KISS and a very important member of that group, by the way. I don't think that band would have survived intact if it weren't for his contributions throughout that era. And also Eric Singer, the current drummer, but love what those guys did throughout the 80s and through the 90s, through Revenge, and the big one, as you'll hear me talk about, Carnival of Souls. So yeah, the catalyst is this tour that happened in 2017, Thunder Down Under, but there's a there's a ton of other topics that are covered. Union and John Karabi, in addition to Kiss and being part of a famously musical family. His brother is Bob Kulik, who subbed for Ace on many songs. Those in the know will know. And uh, his relationship with Meatloaf and what he did in the Bat Bat Out of Hell tour, that also gets a mention. Yeah, it's a really cool chat. I like Bruce a lot. He's one of my favorite musicians ever, actually. So here he is, the great Bruce Kulik. You're one, of, you're one of those guitarists that I think anybody that's listened to the radio would have heard at least at some point, such as the length and breadth of your contribution to rock and roll. I'll ask you for your take on your career as you look back over the past, and I think I counted you up to about your 45th year of recorded music history. Wow, you're making me uh, <laughs> <laughs> humble now and, and older. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, I it still means the same to me as when I was 20, so... Um, I'm, I'm all good with that. I, I'm flattered that you uh, figured that out. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, the, the biggest, I guess, really for me, what I've noticed, especially more recently, because, you know, Kiss has gone on for such a long time. And it's still such a, a, a important band for, for rock and roll. Sure. Of course, in 14 with the uh, Hall of Fame, as, as, as much as it was uh, controversial as well, but still. Um, you know, there was that recognition and, uh, uh, the fans just, they seem to go generation to generation, which is a blessing. And, and many of them, uh, dig deep and discover me, which is wonderful. So I have all these fans that, I, that were not born or even barely conceived when I was in the band, uh, now following me. And that's pretty remarkable. So yeah. Um, and you can't say that a lot about a lot of bands. Um, so, you know, that that part of it really makes me humble about the idea that when I was in Kiss and doing my job and, you know, I always loved playing guitar and being in Kiss was fairly natural for me. But I, I, I would not possibly think that, you know, we'd be talking about Kiss 30 years later um, and people would be making all these celebrations uh actually if you're talking about some of the earliest stuff i did with them you're talking 30 almost 30 you know 33 and a half years almost 34 years and and all of that is just mind-blowing for me it truly is and i love the stuff that people share they finally have digitized you know like 
bumping into me at a hotel or that meet and greet or that that the gig where they took a picture on an Instamatic or whatever the heck they had, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, it's it's really become um, quite humbling for me. And in, and in a big way, I'm very um, gratified to, to think that something that uh, happened so long ago is 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 important to people now. So you're coming to Australia for the Thunder Down Under 2017 tour. You must be aware that you personally, and it's sort of you've touched on it a little bit already, but you personally have a considerable following in Australia. I love that. Yes, I I really you know I through the years kept you know as much as I'd go, I'd still get that email after I was just there that year. Yeah. When are you coming down to Australia, mate? You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh god. All right, but maybe they're from a city that I I didn't go to because I I have been stingy that way by. By only really having the time or the opportunity to hit, you know, Melbourne and Sydney. Sometimes I've ventured out to Adelaide and and maybe only one or two times to Brisbane. Perth has really been since 96. OK. Yes. So, um, you know, uh, it's certainly uh, exciting to think that on this tour, finally, I'm getting an opportunity to go to places I've never been before. So that's that's really exciting to me. Well, you're a man in demand, so Perth can just um, Perth can wait, but I'm sure that they'll be patient. <laughs> yes, you know? yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. Yes. So, I'm going to dive into a period of your career that I feel is incredibly uh, underrated, and that's the um, Carnival of Souls album. So, I'm going to court controversy a little bit and say that it's easily my favourite Kiss album. It's actually album, the album that I got into Kiss through as well. Um, wow, that's that is weird. That's it, almost. Backwards engineering with Bruce Kulick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, yep. what are your feelings about that album today? And can we expect to hear any of that album of those album cuts on the upcoming tour? You know, I I, I was thinking of uh, seeing if uh, Sisters Doll, who's my backing band, the talented young brothers, uh, how they did on um, if we rehearse, I walk alone, and if we can, you know, pull it off reasonably. Um, you know, because it, it is the song I sang with the band. The only song I ever sang in Kiss, but uh, getting back to that record, um, I have to admit, um, I know Paul doesn't like it at all, mm. uh, and it was done at an interesting time. You know, we did Revenge, and that was a really strong, powerful record yeah. with Bob Ezrin producing, and, 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 and it still couldn't put Kiss back in the limelight because music was changing. You know, you had the whole Seattle thing happening with bands Grunge. like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not like, you know, we didn't enjoy certain things from bands like Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Alice in Chains and bands like that. But yeah. but the, the point was uh, fashion and, and what was hip and what was cool. And the Revenge Tour was successful, but not not what it should have been for an album that strong. Same thing with the sales of Revenge, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's such a great record. But. When we revamped and, you know, we toured for it, we went international, did things, we did the convention tour, we were always writing. And part of what we were doing writing was uh, a kind of an idea of a, we weren't going to go with a poppier record, you know, so we, we just started to think about 
what would be even a more more uh, darker, heavier record than yeah, and that's what I love about it. It is a darker, yeah. heavier record, and it's a right. different side of Kiss, and it's a side to be frank that I wish was explored more. And I think your contribution—I'm going to sound like I'm a bit of a fanboy here—but I really heard your contribution on that record above all other records that you played on in Kiss. Is that is that a fair assessment, or have I read too much into that? Well, well, no, you, you you're correct. Uh, I was going through a lot of changes in my life. You know, I was. Uh, going through uh, the start of separation and eventual separation from the, the, the woman I was married to at the time. And, and, and what all I wanted to do was play my guitar and I was hungry, 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 you know, and I seemed to plug into these dark, heavy riffs that I could throw at both Gene and Paul, who probably weren't that that familiar with that, but had a, had a desire to explore. So um, I, I lucked out with all these co-writes, you know, and, yeah. and, um, you know, it's not like I didn't contribute on other records or, um, I mean, that's my largest contribution is yes. Carnival Soul. What I'm saying is I did throw more ideas at revenge, but I, I wasn't always in the uh, writing click at the time. If, if Ezra and Bob, I uh, rather Bob and, uh, Paul were working hard and, 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 you know, I remember one time Ezrin hearing me play something that I worked on with my brother for something, uh, yeah. because I, I, I started it, but I didn't finish it. I didn't get a, even a chance to get it past Gina Paul. And, and Ezrin said, what's that? I like it. And I said, well, I was hoping to, you know, have Paul or Gene finish it. And it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep. um, I, I, you know, so each album, to be honest, uh, during my years with Kiss, uh, it's always a challenge to like uh, make make Gina Paul like really zone in and say like I want to work on that you know you don't know what 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 they're going to react to and you can't you know music's subjective you know and, and yep. taste kind of just like you know certain food and everything you know what I mean the choices are yeah. are, are wide and, and and very very different so the two of, and then there was the issue with them was if uh, if you played something for Gene you can't play it for Paul you know what I mean it was like <laughs> Yeah, you, yes. know, so you had to pick and choose your battles and everything. Anyway, and that's that. That was always like uh, an interesting dynamic, but understandable. Groups are very much like that. Yeah. Uh, just like within a family, you know, you, you could tell one brother one thing, but you wouldn't mention that to the uh, your sister or something, whatever. Yep. So, uh, can definitely relate to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I only have one sibling, but I, I just know that families have dynamics like bands. So um, somehow, I just was dialed in right. And I remember Gene and Paul were both very appreciative of it because they did like what I was coming up with. And, 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 you know, we started the record because we took a commitment from, from the record company, but it was a very odd time for the band because, uh, we had the material and we made the commitment, but we didn't really start. And then we did unplugged and unbeknownst yeah. to me, officially, they were actually negotiating the reunion tour. Yep. So, um, it, 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 you know, I remember calling Gene and saying, you know, uh, why aren't we recording yet? I know you got Toby Wright to co-produce with you guys. What's going on? You know, kind of a, a is that right? Call. Toby Wright from Corn or the Corn producer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and Allison yeah. changed too, too. And and you know, he 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 knew a lot of people in the same circle as us, so it was kind of a, a logical choice. I do think that Toby did some really great things for the album, and I think at times. He, he couldn't relate well enough to what Gene and Paul are about. So there was a lot of tension during that recording with, with him, especially with Gene at times, uh, oddly enough. But um, in the end, anyway, uh, 
Gene was like, I'll get back to you. And sure enough, we started recording. I think they realized that no matter what they were negotiating, they, they made a commitment with the record company. You know what I mean? And we were supposed to record. And think about it. It was pretty brilliant because let's say Ace or Peter started to get very difficult, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they still have the current version of Kiss moving forward and creating and working, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Because we were under, you know, I technically wasn't under a contract, but Gene and Paul and, you know, and the band called Kiss was under contract. So um, very interesting time. So, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you like it, but some people, that's a very odd record for Kiss. You know? Oh, look, look, I appreciate that it is, but I mean, I'm, I'm 39, <coughs> okay, so grunge was effectively my era. Um, well, there I, you go, there and, you go. And, 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 yeah. and if all you cared about was Shout It Out Loud in the beginning, you might have gone like, uh-huh. What happened? They took they took heroin. You know what happened to these guys? You know? <laughs> oh, I just love the grit, and it's a shame that Paul doesn't get into it because I think that the heavier nature of the record really lends itself to his voice. Funnily enough, you'd think that his yeah. voice is a bit more oh, poppy, but no, it really works. I, I think he did some incredible stuff on that record. I was proud once it finally came out when the dust settled for the reunion tour, and they needed to, uh, you know, the record company said, uh, "We're putting this out." Uh, because Paul promised me, even though there were terrible bootlegs of it, yep. he did promise it would come out. And sure enough, um, there it was. And uh, it, 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 uh, the bootlegs were terrible. But when it came out, it came out almost like an afterthought. And Jungle was the single. So that song yeah, that's right. particularly yeah. is, is a terrific Paul vocal and, and, and co-write. And that was me playing bass on it, actually, and, and cool. most of the guitars. Yes. So I'm, I'm quite proud of uh, – and that single actually charted pretty well. But there was no real promotion and no gigs. You know, that version yeah. of the band wasn't good. So, yeah. And, and that. in the same era, you formed Union with John Karabi and another record that I just love to this day. What are your thoughts on that project? And can we even expect any album cuts from that album on the upcoming tour? You know, I, I know there are fans in Australia with Union because when we went there with uh, ESP, when John and I went there with Eric Singer, uh, you know, we, we did we'd always do a couple of Union tracks because Eric liked the band as well. But um, I haven't been thinking about that because uh, just just that there's just too much, you know, kiss material uh, that, that I feel the fans would like to hear. Uh, I'm real proud of those records, though. And, and John and I definitely had a, a certain um, chemistry together, I feel, that that was quite natural. It was both funny that we were both like, you know, the bands we were known for just left us behind and moved on. You know what <laughs> it I mean? It was a bit like that, so, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and at, the, at the time, actually, we were both having this, a similar parallel in our relationships, uh, you know, with, with, with women. So that was pretty weird, too. You know, so yeah. we had a lot to uh, bond over and, and we're very different type of people. Uh, uh, you know, he's tattooed and, and, and pierced and, you know, and I, I faint at the sight of a needle, you know, so, uh, you know, but, but there was a certain chemistry there and I think it was a terrific band and we were one of those bands that should have, but didn't, you know. Yeah, Make well, it, it sounds like you need to get down here more often, to be honest with you, because if you've got so much, the fan attention is on the Kiss stuff right now, I think almost think you could come down and tour with your other stuff, including Oh, well, you know, Carnival of Souls is, of course, Kiss, but also the Union stuff and other stuff that you've been involved in. Um, right. You know, as I mentioned, you do personally have a big fan base down here. So when was the last time you were in Australia? Well, I was able to do some work in 95, and it was interesting. Um, I only did one full concert, though I did perform at the Kiss Expo. There was also 
an expo, but much more outside of Melbourne, not more towards the center of the city yeah. like we are, you know, at, at Wicks and coming. But um, the one gig in Adelaide was wonderful. And then I wound up doing some clinics for the Allen's, uh, Allen's chain of uh, music shops. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that was fun. I always enjoy doing those things. I will be doing uh, clinics on both days of the of the Melbourne Expo, which is really fun to, for the people to, you know, it's kind of like, you know, pulling the curtain back on on uh, some of the tracks that I perform with that, I, that they, they get to hear in a unique way and I could talk about it. Um, but uh, I, I also jammed at the, the, the fun gig in Sydney. I sat in with, uh, not only did I do a masterclass thing for the music store, but I played at that Frankie's Pizza place, which was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, so I, I did a lot of different things on that trip. This one's more of a real, legitimate, full-on kind of tour, which yep. kicks off with two two expo dates, you know, and then there's seven gigs. So um, this is a little more unique, but uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think the, the gigs are a great bill. You know, Sister's Doll has a lot of energy, and they're they're really super talented young kids that love this era of music and, 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 uh, and, and style even that is just, uh, something I'm well aware of, but uh, I think they're sharing it with new generations and that's wonderful, you know? Yeah. Passing and it on then, down uh, the family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and four by fate, obviously those guys are, they, they, they have a kiss connection with their, both of their work, John and, uh, Todd have, you know, spent their time with, with Ace and other, other, you yeah. know, known artists, you know, so that, they have some really good melodic rock. Um, you know, I listened to their record and uh, they're a fine band. So you got a really strong bill there too with me, with me at the top, you know? So you mentioned your brother earlier, just quickly, and you are from a famously musical family. So your brother obviously is Bob Cooley and much like yourself has appeared on so many songs that it'd be almost impossible not to have heard his stellar guitar playing. What do you think it is about the Cooley family producing such gifted guitarists? Well, I think we're, you know, it, it, it is very, very unusual, I will admit. I don't see it a lot, but I, I you know, I certainly, uh, I'm, I'm, it's remarkable to me that, that, you know, you can hear some similarity in our playing and yet, and yet we're not exactly the same, you know. So um, I'm glad that he's older, I, which meant he was able to expose me to stuff that I probably wouldn't have found out if I didn't have an older brother, you okay. know. Yeah. Uh, and that was valuable and he was the one that would do, uh, you, you know, these in, brave trips to England and come back and go like, look at the way they do G chords there and check this <laughs> out. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. he would turn me on to so many incredible things that I, I, I'm very fortunate about having that, you know, kind of like brother in my life. And of course, you know, there he was auditioning for Kiss the same time as Ace, how how unusual is that, you know, and, yes. and they really liked Bob, but they went with Ace and, and obviously history proves that, 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 that was it, you know, but, uh, to think years later, you know, when Ace was, you know, uh, whatever his issues were, uh, Bob gets the call to be ghost guitar, you know, on, on a kiss album, you know, and it's just, it's pretty incredible. The whole, connection between my family and, and kiss. And, and, you know, when I first met Gene and Paul, Gene was very casual. Just, I got to go up to the studio when they were working on, uh, creatures of the night. Uh, and, and, but the, would Paul occasionally, cause my brother was his friend and Paul was a huge rock star living like a King in New York, uh, city, you know, uh, Bob would go like, come on along, let's go. You know, we were in Queens and 
I'd drive in and we'd go, we're going to movies with Paul Stanley. You know what I mean? I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. You know, but it yeah. wasn't, well, it wasn't that Paul Stanley, okay? You know what I mean? It Just was, the regular bloke who wanted to have a slice of pizza yeah. and a, a pint yeah. of beer All after right, the game. All right, let's go yeah. see E.T. You know what I mean? What? Okay, we're going to movies. Okay, yeah, cool. Or Close Encounters or something. I remember we saw one of those sci-fi films. Or we sure. go to, there was a really cool hip club called Privates um, down in, in, in Manhattan that we got to go to, but for me to be the, uh, you know, kind of like that other guy, you know, hanging out with Paul Stanley, that was kind of weird. I'm not saying I really got to know him well. Uh, I, it, I realized it was like very unusual, but my brother's connection and, 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 you know, Paul knew my brother, you, you know, when you're, when you have that level of fame, you're very, very uh, careful with your circle of, of, of course, people. You hang to be. With. Yeah. So, it, it, but, but that helped when Paul realized, you know, I'm hearing good things about Bruce, not only from uh, Bob, you know, from other musicians in L.A., I mean, rather in New York at the time. So I got the call. So that's how I really got my start. So I'm, I'm grateful to my brother, obviously, for the introduction. But the rest was all my own, you know, it had to be my talent and my ability to um, work with these guys. Because, sure. you know, you know, there's a lot of talented people out there. I, I, I'm always in awe of how many gifted people there are, but but they they, they can't seem to uh, put it together in their life to, mm. to, to 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 get from A to B is what what I like to say because you really need to be able to you know build uh, your career and and present yourself properly and be professional and that a lot of that stuff has nothing to do with your talent. No, you know, it doesn't. A lot of it's like do your with professional your, outlook, isn't it? Really, which yeah. you got, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm sure even in your job, you see some people more successful. They could be more successful than you, but uh, you know, they have other, you know, other parts of the life that not very together. But um, you know, it's kind of hard to have make everything work for yourself. You know oh, nothing's I mean? more common than unfulfilled potential. I can tell you, it's the one thing yeah. I notice is every almost every right. industry, every job, every career uh, has in common that people who just aren't fulfilling their potential. Right. You know, um, have we got time for one more question or have you got a, yeah, um, sure. Do one more. Yeah. Okay. So not many people will know that you, I think both you and your brother were in meatloaf's touring band during the massive bat out of hell tour. Is that correct? We were both there and that was fat out of hell. I remember the headlines. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are your memories of the tour and playing with your brother there? I really, that was my, my first time in Australia, and I was blown away. I was very impressed, uh, and, and uh, it was great, of course. It took a long time for me to return, and that was with Kiss, and now, of course, I've been doing it a lot on my own. But um, I, I just – I remember uh, – I'm still friends with a girl I met at the, at one of the famous radio stations back there. Then you'd meet the radio stations, you know, and, yeah, and my yeah. friend Bimbo is uh, still, you know – down there and she knows so many people i know too from la it's kind of a small world but but the point is uh i have to say that um i just immediately had a connection with the people there that i felt very comfortable and and those gigs you know were cool i mean yeah he passed out and you know <laughs> there he was with the, with the oxygen so the headline read uh fat out of hell you know so uh, that, yeah. that that's my biggest memory of it really you know, it was very funny but I had a great time. I really did have a great time. Wonderful. On that note, thank you so much for your time. Um, can't wait to see you down here. I'll certainly be in the audience. So I'll, hopefully we'll catch up and I'll say good day. And I'll be wonderful. <laughs> which city? Are, which city are you? I'm in Brisbane. Brisbane. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You know, that's 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 like I I, I describe that one as the Florida of Australia. It is. So, yeah. It's wonderful. a lot like that. Yeah.
All right, look forward to seeing you. No worries, mate. Well, there you have it, the legendary Bruce Kulik. What an awesome fella. I enjoyed that one there. I hope one day he thinks about releasing a biography because he has a heck of a story to tell, no doubt about that. So if you like that chat, I've had a conversation with Peter Chris from KISS as well, the original Catman. You can find that on YouTube. Just search via my channel, easily found. Yeah, over at scarsandguitars.com, there are many more conversations from the luminaries, the leading lights, from the world of hard rock, heavy metal, extreme metal and beyond. Click on the podcast link and you'll get to sample some of them. And if you like listening, maybe you like reading because I've released a book, Scars and Guitars Volume 1. Click on the link in the banner on the website. You'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice and you can download a sample. Try before you buy if you like. And if you do complete the purchase, hit me up because I want to thank you personally. There's some more information to share with you about the book in the moment. But before we get to that, I'm going to bid you a fond farewell. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all... I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the... I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldina. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his, his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. 
you know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book. <laughs>